Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Many people say that music is a universal language. If that's the case, I would like to use music as a platform to talk about health. My name is Dr. Moshe Lewis, and I'm a full-time practicing physician who loves music and the way it affects our brains, our bodies, and our well-being. We'll be discussing topics that affect all of us, from mental health to body image, cancer screening to stroke. Our health is truly our greatest asset. Hopefully, these discussions will improve the health of our community. Welcome to Music and Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Moshe Lewis, and excited about today's episode, which is very unique. And we had the opportunity to interview Lewis Gossett Jr. This was super exciting as he talked about his career and some Hollywood memories, but more importantly, a recent role that he had in The Cuban, where he plays a musician, and hence that caught our eyes, who has dementia. Um, and certainly uh, his eyes are uh, opened and awakened and some of those that he interfaces with to his past, which is rich in Afro-Cuban music. We look forward to your reviews and hearing what you have to say and definitely want to hear who you would like for us to interview next. Thanks. So now I figured out the system of the so-called primitive of those areas that you can compare with Hawaii, South America, is whatever you do upon awakening, you do it for the benefit of the whole tribe. First things first. So now if you've done that and you become this civilization, that philosophy, we have to be careful what we're fighting for to get equal in because what we've lost or was taken away from might be better than what we're fighting for. Mm. So if we win this, this equality battle here in America, it might be less than we deserve if we don't do proper research. And it's our job to get that research and then contribute for the first thing in the morning to the whole of mankind, because we can't survive without one another. Sure. Well, you you definitely continue to believe in in giving back. Um, Moving forward to, I understand you also have the incredible honor of being the first man to give birth. (laughs) (laughs) And did you actually take the role for that reason? No, I took the role because all the other actors turned it down. (laughs) I like I like challenges. <laughs> sure. Um, speaking of which, um, fast forwarding into the medicine, um, since we have to cover that part, um, and Alzheimer's and taking on a role like the Cuban, it is so uh, enigmatic. We 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 also do a, a show on the side called Music and Medicine, and you help to us to rediscover sort of Dizzy Gillespie and um, the music that they helped um, transport from Cuba to here, Afro Cuban music. 
talk to us about that, taking on that role and how much the music in that show meant to you. Well, see, the, the, the Afro-Cuban music, which was introduced by Dizzy Gillespie. Yeah. Went to Africa and went by, by, by way back home, by way of Cuba, and figured out, put the two genres together. Right. Came out with Afro, Afro-Cuban. So that's my high school time. Right. We had these contests, merengue, cha-cha-cha. Right. So I knew about Tito Puente, Tito Rodriguez, and Machito, and Joe Cuba, and Machito, and all those people. And then Perez Prado. It was my favorite was Perez Prado, but he's a little smoother. Yeah. We knew all the dances. That was a high school contest. And it, it took over all of New York City. Wow. So they're under my, it was under my skin. So that when I got a chance to put this respect and this thing that this imp- impression that Latino music did to me, they playing this character, it was a no brainer. Wow. So we are put together whether we like it or not, Latinos and blacks. And we can do it positively through the culture because there's a connection, an Afro science connection between the Latino and the African. It fits like a glove. Sure. So put that together for the purpose and the benefit of mankind. All kinds of magic is getting made happen. I love it. And then on the medicine side of things, you spend a good part using your expressive nature without speaking anything because you're communicating someone who has Alzheimer's and who um, yes. we were talking to a nursing home yesterday. Uh, the nurse discovers this side of them that they they bring out. Yeah, well, there's a side. There's a side that she must have gotten from her roots, and her roots was almost Russian in a sense. But she figured out something that happened in her roots, in her, her mother and father. I knew it in mine. I have a great grandmama. She used to. Uh, I'll show you a picture of it if I may. Yes, please. Yes. I'll show you a picture. And she lived to be 117. I understand. She is at 115 with me at 17. Right. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. That's doing backstage at Take a Giant Step. It was 1953. And she came to one of your performances and you were acting out? Yeah, I'll save the story for later. Get you get okay. okay. So, so there was something that she remembered and the director and myself mm-hmm. that the sounds before there was a specialist could bring people back from being away from the crowd. Mm-hmm. The sounds and uh, uh, feels, tastes and smells can bring uh, people back to uh, present time, just long enough to, to hook on some reality to it. And we thought about that and we figured out how can we translate that feeling that's been there for centuries into this particular moment, that's this book, the key to the success of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no cure for Alzheimer's even to this day and being able to connect with people at that deeper level, really finding out who they are and bringing out that part of their past. Well, um, it might be, it depends on where, on what stage of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. But it does help in the smells, sure. the sounds, mm-hmm. and the vibration that gets them to makes the Alzheimer's less and less. There's a film that Robert De Niro did called, uh, I forgot what it's called, because he played somebody with Alzheimer's. And uh, he oh, remember that movie at all? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to play that character, be able to go from Alzheimer's to present time in one take. Right. I'll never forget, I will remind him that he really impressed me when he did that. Mm. But to show us that there was a possibility deeper than the study of medicine. Yes. To communicate with one another. Yes. And so you're moving along and then this phenomenon of COVID comes along. And mm-hmm. what, what symptoms did you experience or, or notice that became concerning? 
I assumed, I, well, I'm, I'm a certain age, so I expect a kind of exhaustion, but it got a little bit too much because I wasn't doing anything to be that tired. Mm-hmm. It changed my thought process and my, my eating habits and my, my energy went down and then there was pain started. And I didn't know what I was doing differently in a life to, to get that pain. And so I went to certain doctors and they started to look and stuff and it got worse. So finally, one night I just couldn't stand straight up and it took me to the, to the emergency ward of this hospital and uh, they gave me some shots and I was bent over and they put me in the bed and I looked at the, the emergency ward and I looked at the, the hospital, great, one of the greatest hospitals in the world. Sure. Yeah, Piedmont, you know, it's one's top. Right. They right. put me in the bed and they had funny looks on their face and, and I was in pain and nobody jumped to, to, to my attention and on the second day, they, 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 they were the same here. They didn't have any, any relief. They were tired and stressed out. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, if I stick around, I'm going to die. They don't wow. have the time for me. Wow. And so did you I, get that sense that the, that the staff was either unsure of what to do or just had... They were, they were tired, stressed. Overcast. They cared too much. And they were sure. drained. You, you, all of the hospitals around the country, maybe the world, are the same. So, because it's very recent, we should put the timestamp on it. This is just so that I got in, took me home, where home was cleaner than hospital. Right. And then I got some, I some doctors that same to to take care of me one on one, and uh, it hit the papers, hit the social media, and I got a re- response from the world of all the stuff I had done, between three and five thousand responses. Wow. I still haven't answered all of it. Sure. But I was amazed that that many people keep an eye on me and my career. Sure. Well, we were we were honored that you would even be willing and have a moment to talk to us. And of those thousands, three, I call them angels. Yeah. There's one doctor, Dr. Boros from uh, the Florida Keys. Okay. He said, "I'm sending you something, guaranteed to stop your 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 son." So my son was here, and he needed to be protected because he'd give it to his son. So he sent okay. two things. They called ivermectin. Yes. Now, ivermectin is already on the market for parasites. Yes. They found that ivermectin at a certain age, enhancing, will stop the virus. Right. And 48 hours after he sent it to me, the virus disappeared. I start to blink, start to think. I, I start to pass this on to everybody else who needed it. Right. I had a cousin who got it. That's my cousin. She got cleared, and the word starts to spread around. Now we've got this little marketplace. Right. Why? Did they not use ivermectin to save all these thousands of people that died? Right. Well, maybe it's our former president had that fight because he lost his mother with uh, the, the pharmaceuticals who want to make the money. Naturally, that's America. They want to make the money. But too many people have to die in order for them to make the money. It's immoral. Sure. And you raise a good point. There's a tremendous concern that there are some treatments available that could be more widespread, even though they would be classified as experimental even though they might not be classified in any type of way as a cure, but that they could be used as a, as a, on, a on a cure. So I think it's right around the corner somewhere. I think mm-hmm. they already have it. They're trying to figure out how to do it best and most effectively. Whatever reason they use, sure. that belongs to them. Sure. The way I live does not belong to any human being. It belongs to God. Absolutely. There's certain things that we have to do, and God is always, I don't know what you believe on Sundays, but it's seven days a week. God mm-hmm. is always in charge. Well, I grew up in the church in uh, Congress yeah. Baptist in Brooklyn. <laughs> you have all the money and all the weapons like and all the, all the gold. Eventually, you can have it all. Right. 
room and you look at it, you got it all. Now, did you feel better? No, you don't feel better. Yeah. You're never going to be in charge. Right. You told that story about being on a jet and you've got first class and economy, but if the jet is having challenges, we're all in the same class. Oh, plane going down. Yeah, but how much money can you earn? I got $100,000 here. We'll put that in the engine, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, talk a little bit about sort of the, um, this, this evolution that you went through. You were growing up in Brooklyn and uh, went to Abraham Lincoln High and your family, uh, the influences and things like that that sort of encouraged you and helped support you as you were thinking about going to the theater versus sports. What was that like growing up in Brooklyn at that time? Well, I grew up in a, a post-depression. And those people in Brooklyn in the post-depression, uh, there was a, a blacklist happening. Mm. All through the universities and the theater, people from Europe, mm. the, origin of, the original of, 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 of theater, and film, all those people came in a bunch because they ran from Hitler into the United States where it's going to be a, a haven. And they got into the society. And then they were called by uh, Senator Estes Kipawa from Tennessee. And of course, after, after, after that was Senator McCarthy right. as communists. But they were the intellectual cream of the crop of theater and culture. Mm-hmm. There was Yale University and all those places. There was Edie there Kazan, there was, Kazan, there was uh, uh, so many great actors and actresses that came early Hollywood uh, to set the standard. And then when they started running, uh, they started coming to a place where they were sympathetic to that, their politics in New York City. And the head of the Board of Education was named after Jansen. So he took them and they had to change their names and he sent them to the Boondocks of Brooklyn. So I was raised with the children, their children. Mm-hmm. The formidable, wonderful, the, the, the Einstein, I mean, the, the Jacob Javises, all those people, their children who I was raised with. So there's a neighborhood of people, there was no racism. We were all poor right after the depression. Mm-hmm. So if I got home at six o'clock and my mom was not home for dinner, I could go next door and get some filter fish. Right. Or upstairs and get some, some, some corned beef and cabbage. It didn't matter. And they could do the same thing with us. That's how we grew. So we didn't have baseball bats, nothing sophisticated. But third base was a Chevrolet on the left in the street. The home run was a third sewer down the street. And we had a punch ball with our fists and a ball or a broomstick handle. We had our imaginations. They were the children of the people who set the standard, the artistic standard of theater and thinking in, a, in, the, in the East Coast became a, a coalition, politics and art. And out of that came the early civilizations, the E.G. Kazans, the Marlon Brandos, the, the George C. Scotts, the David Susskinds, combination of people. And they knew that the, uh, the theater came out of uh, on waterfronts, a uh, streetcar named Desire. You understand where I'm coming from? And yeah. I was part of that. So they taught me that I was one of many so I got taken, me and a couple others, but I'm the one that chose, thank Jesus, to, to, to join them in early television. Me and Cicely and James Earl Jones, we kind of got there. Billy D was there a little bit. And we were embraced, we embraced one another. And as television in New York got bigger and went to California and everything changed. So they don't know to say how, why everything changed. I'm set now, I'm one of the family. Right. Yes. Then running Hollywood. So I get off the plane 
and they think I'm an African diplomat, you know, because <laughs> he's coming out to the tarmac and put me on a plane first. They put me in first class and went to the presidential suite at the Beverly Hills Hotel. I'm feeling like seventh heaven, man. For the first movie of the week at a universal with Lou Wasserman. So there was Melvin Douglas, Ann Baxter, Ann Bancroft, Leslie Nielsen, William Redfield, and me. So, so, so I went, I went to a, get this car from the Beverly Hills Hotel, which is 20 minutes away down in, in Sunset and Crescent Heights. Yeah. And Ford Fairlane, Fairlane Galaxy 500 was the hard top convertible. Sure. Eggshell white with red interior. Uh-huh. I'm in seventh heaven, man. So I turned on Sam Cooke music mm-hmm. and laid back with one arm and started humming. <laughs> 10 minutes, I met every cop in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. They had me under the car on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And that gave me for an hour and a half trying to figure, who the hell do you think you are? But I'd never had that experience before. Right. So an hour and a half later, I went to the Beverly Hills Hotel to tell the man what happened to me. And he looked at me and said, oh, you, you're not from me. I said, and he explained to me, the blue collar workers there, they come out of Mississippi and Texas. They didn't know better. So I called my parents and my father said, you're going to be there. He's calling out to me, I'll be right there. Yeah, they're not going to be right So I called my friend, Ed Bondi, my agent, who I grew up with. He said, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to show up and at work tomorrow. He said, that's what I expect. So. That was my first challenge yeah. of showing up in a major studio after being treated like that by the blue collar workers to do that performance. And uh, it, it goes on from there. Sure. No, amazing. And also covering some in your youth uh, about medicine, your great grandmother, you had polio when you were early on. Oh, no, I had, I had uh, rheumatic fever. Rheumatic fever, okay. So there was polio going up and down the neighborhood. The okay. one I showed you was a picture. And to her, her background, since she was a slave too, is always have some some stuff planted either in the windowsill or in the backyard to, to help your, your help. Right. So she went and got this ugly piece. It was called a yam, right. but it was ugly. Right. And I had rheumatic fever over 103 degrees. And uh, she went and got that yam and cut it up, put me in the bed, said, I'm going to move. <laughs> and she cooked it and it smelled terrible. She mixed it with something. And there was no plastic, so she put it in an argyle sock, mm. wrapped the argyle sock in some kind of paper, and it was hot and wet. And she put it up my foot in it, almost too hot. That night, at nine o'clock at night, by six o'clock in the morning, my temperature was 100, was, was uh, 97.4. And I went to school the next day. Wow. Something tells me that practice is where we could conquer COVID-19. Right. Sure. I think that's what it is, one of those diseases that got away from us. Right. So we got a little bit, a little lazy, a little antiseptic, and that COVID-19 is where we should be dealing with it when it started. Right. With, with the, I remember my childhood with the, the tablespoons of vile tasting stuff. Yes, I remember it. I remember, we, we were in the mud, man. Right. We were in the schoolyard, in the mud, right. in the dirt, and we never got sick. Right. Right. Someone tells me that COVID-19 is one of those that escaped. Sure. And what would you say to people in terms of wearing masks and following some of the precautions? Is that really something that is appropriate for people to really try to protect themselves and protect one another by being careful? Yeah. So, so we have something to, to, to offer mankind. So did the Russians, so did the Spanish, so did the Jew. And if we get into that mindset, once again, uh, the, the way we survive, 
is the first thing you think about upon awakening is what can you do for the benefit of the whole. And we all get together so that the first thing we think about is one another. The peace of the world will come up, the sun will come back out, the diseases will disappear. We'll replenish the freshness of the oceans, the flowers will come out. Our personality, our performances, our movies will increase because we are on the same page. The same page, God's always in charge, or whoever you might call him. We can't go for that. And then we're going to take better care of ourselves in order to be a best of service. And the rest kind of magically take care of itself. My uh, cousin Rebecca Wilson's been a diehard fan. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you what your favorite movie role was. Um, There's quite, quite a few. I have a philosophy that the one I'm doing right away is my favorite. It keeps the ego out of the picture, but in retrospect, mm -hmm. uh, there's quite a few. There's uh, obviously Roots. Yes. But then there's uh, JD's Revenge, I did was with uh, Glenn Turman down in Louisiana. And then there's uh, Lawman Without a Gun. Yes. And then there's uh, Sadat, when I played on Mar Sadat, what got me to know that the entire industry, Israel and Egypt. So I can still now go without a passport to those two countries. Right. Wow. And then uh, so many good men in Africa was fairly good. But uh, then I did one called uh, that I produced in South Africa. Mm. And uh, they've changed the name. I've forgotten the name of it. I have to remember. But it was good about the Truth Commission. Yeah. But uh, there's not anything that uh, I have not done, not would. Sure. Uh, I've done it uh, pretty long now, 1953 till now. Still here, here I am. It's, it's, and the answers seem to come from different cultures. Right. Uh, yesterday, I just got a, 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 a transplant of blood. Because right. my blood had been with me all my life. And it got old. Right. So it makes a sense when a young doctor says, why don't you get transfusion? Mm. But the entire day yesterday, getting some fresh blood in two packets. And today, my mind is returning. Maybe that's a part of our practice. Maybe we could do that. Back in the good old days, we had to do it with maybe herbs. Right. To refresh and well, we need to do that every now and then to refresh ourselves and our brains, our, our minds, our blood, our body, especially when you pass 70 and 80 years old. Right. You know, so it's something to be thinking about. Right, right. You know, Combine so, the new with the old to keep everything tip top. Keep, keep, uh, it, going, keep it going, yeah. Right. Otherwise, you wouldn't be calling me, sir. Right. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be able to. And At this age, you wouldn't, wouldn't, be as, wouldn't be as fortunate to be able to get the wisdom. You're so good at teaching and helping continue to pass on our legacy, our history. This you know, I'm starting podcast to do the same. So it's called For What It's Worth. Yes. Yeah, so um, and the other thing is, look out when you're doing things right for your life. It might not be one of your dreams, but if you wind up doing something that works, you'll find a, uh, an improvement in your health and your thinking and your habits. There's a connection with doing the right thing with your life. Uh, there seems to be a physical and, and neurological connection. So think about it and pass the word on. I don't want to pass the word on when I do my show. Yeah, no, I, I love that. When it comes to taking on a role, what, what do you look for in trying to decide what it is you're going to bring to it or choose that particular role? How do you, how do you vision it in your mind? I look at the whole script, see if it's worth it. And then there's a part. Obviously, they look at the money and it's there and you put that aside. 
And then you start seeing what it's going to take to make it special. And you can see what it's going to take for me and what I have to do to improve myself. How can I expand my, my, my instrument by doing it? And then you start jumping into the middle of it. Yeah. You got 24 seven research on the characters. That's like enemy mine. That enemy mine, I had to, and an officer and gentleman had to go six months, you know, not quite six months, a couple of months before becoming that Marine. I went down there and became that Marine down there in San Diego. And I brought one of the Marines with me. Right. So that, so it was right. There. He was, I was a Marine by the time they showed up. Right. They trained me, did everything but smoke the camels and drink the beer. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and enemy mine, I had to, had to hang out with a, with a a yoga, a ballet instructor, and a martial artist. That's so I had to study with them so I could do the things that a, a, a person from another planet would do, 90% water. So I like the challenges, love the challenges. Sure, I, clearly your performances speak of it. When prepping this uh, most recent role for um, playing the role of somebody with Alzheimer's, what um, did you do to prepare for that? And take on that persona? Well, I, I created a whole memory that uh, I locked up. And what you do is, is when you make the other actor really important to you, they have to do certain things to unlock it. I allowed that young lady to unlock those memories. And my artistic selection is when I exposed certain parts of me to what she had to do. So she had to come up to the plate and unlock those memories with all the things. And she was so good, it was easy. But those moments began and happened on the screen. So she unlocked the memories. I had a storehouse, all the energy, my love for Latino music, the whole thing. It's there. Smells. The, and, and she had to work on that as hard as she worked hard. She's quite a brilliant young lady. And she opened up, unlocked it a little bit at the time. And there you go, you look back, and the movie is in the can. Awesome. Definitely. That's what, you know, the other actor, you know. What message do you have uh, as we're parting for um, the young people of today? Um, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of fear. Um, there's a lot of lot of chaos, and we're hoping for a new days. We're at the beginning of a new year. What what message would you have for them? There's a title. There is no such thing as impossible. Take the word impossible out of your dictionary. Throw it away and put it in the garbage. Because if it was impossible, you wouldn't be able to slam dunk. Right. You'd never gone to the moon. Right. You wouldn't be a millionaire or a possibility of being uh, independent. So you realize that what you do as a common bunch of young people, you can come up with the miracles that advance mankind. Or you have a choice of coming up with stuff that detains mankind's growth. Make a common positive decision together to know that the only power that's stronger than yours is God's. There's a, there's a negative one that's stronger than you too, so you have to make a choice on a daily basis. Choose God's path together. And then there's no such thing as impossible. I love that. Those are such such fitting words. Every time you end an interview, so climactic, so so powerful. It's just, uh, it's an honor to be in your presence. We're here in Atlanta, um, just to be close to you. and. Um, are doing the physical distancing and the social distancing appropriate. Um, you look great and um, Godspeed with your continued um, transfusions. I hope that that will continue to address the anemia and get you stronger and stronger.
um, and that we'll continue to learn and hear from you. And just thank you so much for being willing to constantly give back, constantly teach us, constantly help. That, us. That's, the, that's the key to us at our age. We give it back now at this age. We're, we're the elders. Right. For what it's worth. Absolutely. And so, you and this show go for what it's worth coming out. So you'll be my guest. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My puppies, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right? And you've learned from some of the best, and, and we continue to learn from you. Thanks so much for uh, life worth living and being a little fun. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast back to the arena the interviews it's about a 30 minute podcast where i talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music you can find us on all the best podcast sites like spotify apple google iHeartRadio, and more if you're a rock fan like me subscribe today to back to the arena the interviews electric acid electric acid